Hello, I'm Francesca. I'm a musical artist working within experimental and folk, and I'm currently exploring using touch to trigger sound through the medium of craft. Recently, I've been hand-tufting using wool and attaching musical hardware to make something similar to a soft woolen keyboard. During lockdown, I started sewing my own costumes with very little experience and just having a go. It got me thinking about what other crafts and hobbies people adopted since the pandemic began and the impact it can have on our lives. In this podcast, I'll chat to Rhea Davenport, Hannah Parry and Anne Rotzek about where their creative urges took them during lockdown and how making for making sake is a really important part of inspiration, feeding into our sense of well-being and confidence, not just for ourselves, but our wider community. We also chat about how folk crafts in particular relate directly to our environment and how we think about our immediate surroundings. First, we will hear from Ria, founder of Weven, a Stroud-based, not-for-profit folk craft shop and workshop space. Ria is a craftsperson and also dances with the female Morris troupe, Boss Morris. I live in Stroud in Gloucestershire. I'm a mum. I'm 38 years old. I've got two, two little children who are eight and six. I'm a extremely overstretched <laughs> maker, like I, always trying to do something new and start a new project and um, never too worried about finishing the last thing that I can. During lockdown, I also use the time to polish my music recording and editing skills. There's still lots to discover. But it made me think about the way we learn and how traditional routes of learning, such as oral learning or copying how someone masters a technique, can be applied to modern skills. So I spoke to Hannah. Hannah is a musician that started getting into music production during lockdown, teaching herself using the internet. Well, I live in North Devon. Um, I am a mum of two boys. Um, we have a family business doing recycling at events. So we do Glastonbury. We've just done Glastonbury. We're just back from Glastonbury. <laughs> but I don't have so much to do with that business because I have a couple of chronic illnesses, which sort of led me to having time over lockdown to explore these new creative pathways. So silver lining, I guess, of being poorly and spending a bit of time in bed. (laughs) During lockdown, Anne started crocheting octopi. That's right, soft woolly versions of an octopus, some hand-sized and some two metres long. Hello, my artist name is Anne Wodzek, which is my maiden name, and I live in Margate, UK, by the seaside. I moved here um, just in the year before lockdown, so I'm quite new to the UK, even though I've spend a bit of time at home. (laughs) Before lockdown I worked in opera and music theatre for 18 years. So basically when lockdown hit like my entire atmosphere and background just suddenly was gone and um, yeah that is when I basically started my new hobby or my new addiction which is crocheting and knitting and any yarn work, any thread I can get between my fingers will be used for something. Obviously, the pandemic has had a huge and lasting impact upon all of our lives and many sad and monumental life changes have interrupted our usual pace and normal ways of being. I had the most wonderful job. I was working for 
Pangolin Editions, which is a huge sculpture foundry, and I was working as the collections archivist, and it was such a lovely position. I adored it there. And unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, they had a really tough time. I took voluntary redundancy. So I started sort of having a lot of time on my hands being sort of bed-bound and a bit house-bound. Not all the time, but some of the time. So I started YouTubing and sort of picking up on YouTube instructional videos on music production. And, and just my interest sort of grew, really, especially following a few sort of women who were doing interesting things in music production and with sound and sound art and stuff. I just thought I really want to turn this uh, negative experience into a real kind of life changing. (laughs) That's a bit too OTT, but like I just wanted to spin it on its head and instead of kind of dwelling on this, what was a very sad event for me, turning it into something that was a total um, change of my whole way of life. And I'd had this idea for a long time. Initially, it was a kind of family orientated workshop where traditional craft activities were introduced to um, young people and children at an age where they will grow up seeing them with totally different eyes, fresh eyes, and not kind of have lots of the connotations. And in some cases, negativity that we have grown up to associate within some areas of the crafts. I thought, well, maybe I could have a little go at this. I was, I'm, I am a musician and um, I have composed music previous to this, but I was held back, I guess, by technical skills. Yeah, seeing others doing it and it just, I think, the clarity of some of the instructional videos making it more accessible to me. Crocheting is something I had learned at primary school in Germany and completely forgotten about. My son saw a little shark crochet kit at Aldi and um, was like, oh, I want that. I, and he w- thought he could do it himself. Uh, I was like, oh, well, it said beginners on it. And um, we just got it because it was quite cheap. So we made that little shark who came out really wonky, but in a funny way. And I just got obsessed with this um, Japanese technique of amigurumi crocheting where you knit uh, or crochet in rounds and rounds and sculpture little objects and um, so we had our wonky shark to start off with which took ages and wasn't very satisfying but like I say I got obsessed with this shape and started researching it. I started doing a bit of research and I just found so many incredible particularly young makers craftspeople who are doing these incredible folk and country crafts, in some cases not even realising that they're doing them, and then in other cases doing them totally unknown and nobody's buying their work, nobody's celebrating it. And so really wanting to kind of gather all of these things together and turn them into an amalgamation of which, not trying to kind of brand it, because I don't see Webber as a brand at all in any way, but just trying to bring them all together where as a culmination they can become more powerful. I wanted to make something with a structure basically and that is how I thought of octopus and an octopi because I was reading a book about the ocean and the ocean network and how everything is connected and memory in the ocean and um, I haven't stopped ever since. (laughs) So I, I make like a round body in circles and then I, I do the legs in two bits 
basically. So so I have to do a bit of sewing there. So I do the bobbly bits have to be crocheted back and forth to get the bobbles right. I haven't found a technique yet how you can do bobbles and rounds. Well, they are massive. And I'm working on a really big one, which I'm crocheting from all the plastic bags I cut up that came with the lockdown deliveries. <laughs> because I, I never, we never use any plastic bags normally. And I found it so disturbing that all these little bags that they wrap all the like replacement stuff in and I always try to hit don't replace my food uh, um yes yeah, still you keep getting all these little plastic bags so uh, loads of these plastic bags which I sp not spun into yarn but cut into yarn now and so I'm working on a very big one like a very big one it seems that the internet has liberated so many of us in terms of accessing knowledge and widening our horizons just using wi-fi we can enter a whole new world YouTube is democratising, you know, because we're all sort of publishers and anyone can be a content creator. I don't really like that expression, but any of us can can do it. And you see that on YouTube all the time, don't you? You see really sort of amazingly produced videos, but also you see really just low budget, lo-fi people doing it on their phone. And I just think that's really helpful to think, well, I could do, I could try that maybe. There's so much online advice already and I can... Just like whenever somebody asks me how to do it, I'm like, look, just to be honest, just go on YouTube because there'll be like somebody who's filmed their hands doing it in like detail and close up and um, you get a better idea of how to do it just from watching these YouTube tutorials. So it's already out there and I just, I'm, I'm always trying everybody, just encourage them to start trying to and then I'm, I'm always happy to support, of course. There are so many of these tradition bearers who um, are very willing to share their skills um, but they're also of an age now where they perhaps themselves don't quite have the access to the means to share these skills that would do the best job in spreading them such as getting them onto YouTube. There are a few good online tutorials at the moment specifically for I'm just talking about wheat weaving but with many of the other crafts, I think it's still really hard to readily access the opportunities to learn about these skills. I started an Instagram account as well, with, um, um, which I hadn't done before because I was quite shy to use social media. But in the end, it turned out to be so nice to connect to other people and to get this network of other knitters and crafters together. Through using YouTube or Instagram, we can not just learn new skills, but also reach out to surrounding communities, asking questions and gaining confidence. Simply by having a go, making mistakes and reaching out for help, we can fashion our own path of learning, which resonates with the reciprocal nature of folk craft learning. However, maybe the algorithms are guiding our learning too. It's really good for your confidence, I think, when you think you're not very good at something and then you give it a go and you actually learn and you learn more and more and more and it builds up until you think, oh, yeah, actually, I do know a little bit now. Whereas at the beginning, I just had no clue whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, YouTube's been invaluable. Like, I always felt a bit lonely. Well, like, I was quite good at knitting before lockdown already because my grandmother says, had both taught me how to knit. And so I knew all the basics and was able to make, like, little hats and socks but never really dared 
to knit according to a pattern or to do make a jumper or something bigger. And um, it was just really great to find people who were on the same level or, or beyond who could just who were so supportive and um, inspiring as well. I've been wheat weaving for a really long time and there were only about two other wheat weavers on Instagram and now you can find so many and yet it's still a struggle to find any tutorial videos on YouTube or whatever. So it's it's really kind of disparate the way that these crafts kind of are finding popularity and there's no real way of... It's like wheat weaving has this sort of earthy popularity because it really slots very nicely into the kind of overarching scene whereas something like clay pipe making or different types of weaving don't have that same like direct link to the to the earth and the land and so therefore they're still being overlooked which I would say is a shame but I, I think it's all on the up <laughs> You got these little like online chats where you discuss the pattern. It's really geeky. You almost became like you sat there in the evening and, and everybody was at their home knitting their thing. It was just exchanging all the mistakes. <laughs> she kept me sane. No. <laughs> but let's think back to how people generations before us learnt. Within folk arts, there's a long line of what may sometimes be called tradition bearers, those who have practiced all their life and carry on to others a certain way of doing things. But how can we still access the wealth of information these tradition bearers hold? Personally, I don't feel expert enough, or I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel the weight of that responsibility because I don't feel as if I personally have enough experience and knowledge to to be doing those things and you know when it comes to like getting things up on YouTube I think ultimately I'm only now thinking why have I not reached out to these to these tradition bearers and why have I not invited them to make a video with me and why have I not set this up why have I not set up this channel where people can access these free videos and also this sounds a bit might sound a bit ridiculous but I'm genuinely fearful of stepping on people's toes And I want to be really sensitive to the people who have been doing this their whole lives and who in many ways, you know, they learnt orally and they learnt over many years. And I don't want to be disrespectful to many of these craftspeople by sort of swooping in and going, <laughs> looking like a ditzy <laughs> wally. Like, <laughs> Although the internet is doing a great job of spreading this knowledge... There is also no replacement for in-person teaching. Weven offer a range of courses at their shop to keep folk traditions alive, and they are aiming to reduce barriers to entry into crafting, hoping to rekindle the kind of communal exchange crafts traditionally provided. Yeah, we offer all kinds of workshops. We have done wheat weaving, corn dolly making. We've done um, shibori, indigo, natural indigo dyeing drawing onto fabric from life we've done hand-dipped candles I've done loads of children's craft activities we've done paper lanterns basket weaving is a regular different types of willow basket weaving and there's so many that we'd like to do but there's only so much we can manage within within our little shop I, I'd like to do something locally with like with people who can 
attend the session. And in Margate, we're quite lucky because we've got quite a good artist scene and there's already um, crafts and wine evenings where people just bring their little um, projects and do these in a nice ambiente with a glass of wine. But what I would really like to do is to be a bit more diverse and get people who really are not into crocheting and crafts at all to do something. The makers are from all over the country, really, but predominantly, I would say they are from Stroud. And we try, we do try and keep things local. We try and be as environmentally conscious as possible. So we're not into like getting people to travel miles and miles and miles for a one day workshop. But really, really important for us is making sure then that those workshops are really accessible. We keep our ticket prices absolutely as low as they can possibly be. Again, so that young people can be involved and it's not, they're not kind of demographicked out by by the sorts of people and I feel bad about saying this as well but I do live in the Cotswolds and there are a lot of people of a certain age with a, a lot of money to spend on beautiful craft activities and although everybody is welcome the idea is to try and get people who don't have 140 pounds to spend on a on a workshop ticket to, to come along. Anne also has ideas about how our hobbies can be turned outwards to reach different areas within our communities. Margate is quite an interesting place, despite the gentrification that is happening here rapidly. And um, we've got, I think, I'm not sure about the, the recent statistics, but we've got a very high rate of teenage pregnancies and in Margate. So what I was hoping to do with a friend who runs a vintage shop in Margate is to, to do workshops for young mothers, basically, on, on how to just crochet a baby blanket before the, to, to just appreciate the arrival of um, their little newborn and then that was an idea but also to get retired knitters involved in this and so yeah fingers crossed for that. The democratic nature of the internet has allowed many of us to open new doors into learning that were previously closed and this is particularly true for women in general and true for women working in music as I myself know. Too often the tech roles are still hugely weighted towards men whilst women prop up the more emotional or decorative roles, like singer. Teaching yourself can be highly empowering. I haven't taught anyone else because I just don't think I'm proficient enough, but um, I think it would be really great. Eventually, I'd definitely be open to that, especially being a woman and being older, so not, you know, sort of traditionally who you'd think would be perhaps doing music production and doing those kinds of things. I don't know, maybe the world's moved on <laughs> and it's not that unique. But um, I do see lots of women online saying, oh, it's so brilliant to learn in women-only spaces and to be taught by women. And I definitely sought out women who had those skills. And um, I'm not going to be alone. I'm sure there are many other people. So it would be. I would like to connect um with people who were doing similar things really and experiencing similar things and see what we could come up with and how we could support each other and collaborate potentially as well and not just in music but in other art forms as well. So as well as the benefits to the community the act of practicing crafts can benefit our mental health. I've only really actively been aware of the fact that Wevan has given me this huge participatory 
position within the community as having a little shop. And we're, you know, we're a tiny shop and hardly anybody knows about us really. But by being there and by providing the service and by meeting people every day that you're in the shop and having all of these lovely conversations and creating these new networks and these new webs, I never really, I never anticipated that. I never saw it coming. And I'm so grateful for what Weven has given me. It really calms me to start off with. I re- it's really good to just to be able to do something with your hands and have a good thought. And I tend to not think too much sometimes and just do things. And so this is really like, okay, no, I'll sit down with a cup of tea now and I'll just do a bit of knitting and then I might start again. When I started, I was just like, okay, I don't know how to do this. I don't dare how to cut the fabric right and I'm just like okay I'll just do it I'll have a thought and then I'll do it and you know you can unpick it and it will be fine you can unpick it and you can try again which was something I always thought okay I've ruined the fabric now that's it the end of the day and um, no it's okay to make these mistakes but you have to be daring basically if even if I go if even if I fail now I can fix this so that I, I found this is a great attitude that I, I learned through all the crafting. In, in the other way, it also kind of um, made me more daring. So like with, like with sewing as well. So I bought myself from my self-employment income support scheme. I um, got myself a nice sewing machine. <laughs> I definitely get more job offers now from that, I suppose. As Anne just described, her lockdown hobby turned into work. Being in a capitalist society, the question of how these skills can be used to make money inevitably comes up, and quickly. This can feel at odds with the ideas of sharing and exchange. If you're thinking about being compensated for your time, or recouping the cost of materials, then making things in this way, through an economic lens, can be troubling and create conflict. So how can this be managed? We're in a really fortunate position where we don't have to focus on generating income like I don't take that for granted for a second we share a beautiful shop space it's really really run down but our rent is cheap and affordable and so I don't have to be driven by sales and making loads of money but I feel like through not having that necessity it almost through not trying to push the sales people naturally feel more inclined to browse and they want to know about things and it becomes far more of a conversation and less the kind of looking at price tags. I thought of selling them and there have been requests for them but and I sold a couple but to be honest um, like it's so difficult for small businesses like I couldn't make it as a living and it basically the yarn itself is so expensive and the material because I obviously insisted on buying very nice yarn from Germany, from Happy Sheep, that are organically dyed and still smell nice of landscape and got bits of hay in it. <laughs> but, but, but by the time you've made um, an octopus that big, just the material alone is £100. And the big red one took me about a month to crochet, I'd say. So um, you have to enjoy making them. I don't think you'll get like it. I, wouldn't suggest it as a business approach. (laughs) 
my plan, I was thinking about this on the way back home from the school run this morning, is to just play, play, play and set myself some challenges with the ultimate sort of goal of getting a collection together that I'd be happy for other people to hear. I know nothing about releasing music. That would be another YouTube rabbit hole to dive down, I think, and how you go about doing that. (laughs) But I will. I will try at some point, I'm sure. I'm not thinking about it hugely because I'm so, it seems a bit previous, I suppose, because I'm just enjoying the experimenting and playing with different techniques. But I would love to because ultimately music is there to listen to, isn't it? And I love listening to music. I'm just a bit sort of nervous about letting other people listen to mine. So I have tried to be braver about, (laughs) about that. And, you know, stick the headphones on people that come around and say, look, this is what I've been doing. But I do find that nerve-wracking, I suppose. I suppose it's that sort of anti-performer side of me, even letting people listen to things. We are a small shop, really, and and everything in there is is really considered and really special. And so I think the people that it, it appeals to, they're the sort of people that will save up for that one special thing and it will mean loads to them. It's really encouraging a change of pace with the way that we buy things and the way that we interact with the kind of um, the climate of shopping, I suppose. We do we do have like smaller trinkets and things that are, are way more affordable. It's not I'm not trying to make out like everything in the shop is that you'd have to you'd have to have a big old pot of expendable income to be able to afford. You know, there's lots of little bits and bobs and knickknacks and and lots of things to rifle through. But ultimately. I think it is just really focusing and encouraging that shift in the way that you think about shopping. People saw the octopus and asked me um, to basically crochet something personal for them. Like um, one of my favourite things that came out of it was like um, knitting and crocheting beloved pets that had died, according to photographs. So people sent me their photographs and I made them their little pet as a cuddly toy. Um, which was good fun and from that came that people sent me unfinished projects of their loved ones that they couldn't finish before they died so I finished little cardigans and a teddy bear I made for someone and I got loads of yarn from that as well which um, I use now to create my own patterns for knitting I've made this massive knitted dress, which is almost like a dry rope now, because I insisted on using up all the yarn that I was given. So that can basically, it's just like a big hug from all this yarn and, and, and that was chosen originally to, to create something, but never got used. Humans seem to have a desire to make things, get better at making things, share that knowledge and build communities around the things they do. Modern technology can be immensely helpful in these pursuits, especially when we are isolated from each other. But modern ideas such as capitalism can throw a spanner in the works, putting distance between us and our innate desire to create and share. Thanks to everyone who's taken part in this podcast. So that's Brooks Bristol at St Anne's House for commissioning, Rowan Bishop for producing, and to our contributors, Ria Davenport, Hannah Parry and Anne Rotzek. And thank you for listening.